Oh, yes. You know what time it is. It's time for another episode of the 3 in 1 podcast. Joining us from Columbus, Ohio, by way of Cincinnati, but he still roots for the home team. Give it up for Keith Turner Jr. Hey, I'm going first today. It's a great morning. What's up with everybody? And joining us from Cleveland, Ohio, Mr. Pivot himself. Give it up for international Ian Lamont Morgan. I'm feeling like Brady this morning. The GOAT. What's going on? And also in the capital city by way of several other places. They call him the Black Urban Meyer because he likes to spend time with his family until he doesn't anymore. Oh, it's your boy. Malcolm Morgan. You actually showed someone white this morning, Malcolm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Man, what? (laughs) Gotta keep you guys on your toes. Oh, my God. I want you guys seeing what's coming next. (laughs) Oh, I've got some. Mr. Pivot. You said what? I I think you're the real Mr. Pivot. (laughs) He's the finesse god himself. The real finesse god. I'm I'm underpaid. Oh, man. I am underpaid. (laughs) Not about money, Malcolm. Not about money. You could be finesse god in other ways. (laughs) So, what's going on, guys? How y'all feeling? Man, football season's about to be done. I'm just depressed. We need to do a support group for Yes, I need it. Seriously. All the prayers welcome. (laughs) If it's. The best sport is actually on and being played hey, currently. Hey, it is hey. not. It is not. Well, actually, it is actually because football is still here. So you know. Yes, you're okay. right. Man. You're right. You're right. Very nice. That's Very cute. nice. That's cute. I'm good, That's brethren. Cute. I feel like um, I feel like the uh, um, this is all I'm gonna say about it. I feel like the Cleveland Browns could be in the Super Bowl right now, but that's it. That's all. Could be. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. probably should have been. You know, but. But they couldn't stop Chad Henney from running on third and okay. long. All right. <laughs> see, see, we have to. <laughs> we didn't even have to rehash. Hashtag go blue. But your, but, um, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Hashtag go blue. So, guys, let's talk about some of this football action from this weekend. We've got our Super Bowl matchup, but first, let's talk about these games from last week. Man, the Tampa Bay Bucks, mm. as correctly picked by two people on the panel, yes, it beat was. the Green Bay Packers. 31 to 26. Um, really a tale of two halves. Yep. First half, the Bucks really dominated. Um, some bad turnovers in the, in the second half by the Bucks brought the Packers back into the game. But when it came down to it, Bucks were able to get stops. So, mm-hmm. um, what did we, how were the Bucks able to beat this team twice? Cause that's, that's hard to do any year. Um, mm-hmm. but when this gets Aaron Rodgers, it's, it's very difficult. So what, how did the Bucks pull this off twice this year? Man, that defense showed up. <laughs> there is no other way to really put this. The the amount of pressure that they were getting, sometimes only rushing three or four. I think having Vita Vea was, was huge for them, even though he didn't play every snap. Um, and that linebacking play was just incredible. Um, how, I mean, hard hit after hard hit. Um, Rodgers felt that pressure. And, um, you know, now, it did not help Green Bay. I think that if Devontae Adams scored that early touchdown that he dropped, I think we may be talking. I mean, they lost by less than a touchdown. So um, this could be a different game. But, you know, they hold him to a field goal there. And then uh, Green Bay just, yeah. I mean, they had Aaron Rodgers looking like, you know, not so good Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. again. So shout outs to the Bucks, man. Their defense really showed up. Yeah, I mean. I think the 
two things to talk about. Aaron Jones didn't come back after that second fumble, mm-hmm. or the, I guess the first lost fumble. Um, right. <laughs> and that really that really affected their running game. Yep. Um, you know, and the other guys in their backfield, Dylan, Williams, are both good, They're but good. Aaron Jones is a, is a three-down back. He He's could be great. on the field all game long. Yep. Um, and, you know, you just can't say enough about this defense. Devin White, the last, since the playoffs, really has just been an animal. Oh, my God. Just an, an, everywhere on the field. He seems to always be around the ball. Um, what a way to get him back for playoffs! I mean, my goodness, gosh, he's just—I don't—I don't know—I don't, know, don't know if he's on something, but he was—he <laughs> was everywhere, <laughs> everywhere, man. Um, and he's young too, yeah. man. For him to play that well, being that young, he's—he yeah. is ready for the moment. And they didn't have their best safety. Yep, and they lost their other safety. They lost um, Whitmore, um, who had the, fumble, the the second fumble mm-hmm. on Aaron Jones. So, um, I mean. That was one of the keys I thought coming into this game was that Bucks defense. Which Bucks defense we were mm-hmm. going to see? And we saw the one that we saw that the last time they played the Packers, yep. where they were just all over the field. I mean, to get five sacks on Aaron Rodgers is huge, yep. and they were getting pressure very yep. often on him. Um, where on the other side, Tom Brady seemed like he had an eternity as long as he wanted. <laughs> it didn't have to shuffle his You're feet. Right. You're right. Didn't have to reset. Oh just, my goodness! I'll just look in this one spot for for seven seconds until the guy gets open. Yeah. Um, but Ian, what what did we see from Tampa Bay that you think is translatable into the Super Bowl? Obviously, it's a new; it'll be a new opponent for them, um, and they've played the Packers twice, so there was a little bit of familiarity. But what kind of things do you think that they did well in this game that they can also do well against the Chiefs? Uh, well, I'd like to say forced turnovers, yeah. uh, but I think more importantly is is. You know, there's a reason that there's a statistic for points off turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to capitalize. Green Bay was not. Yep. Uh, forced, forced three picks three picks on Brady, but uh, were not able to cash in. Uh, this Man. one of the top ranked, uh, actually, like historically ranked um, uh, red zone offenses, as you're looking at in Green Bay. And Tampa Bay was able to limit them two touchdowns and four trips there. And I think that becomes a really, really – uh, a huge spot, especially when you're talking about another prolific offense in the red zone uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, the number of weapons that they have there. Uh, um, you just got to give all of the credit. Um, and, and again, it's, like you said, Taylor two halves. Um, Tom Brady did what he needed to do in the first half. He did a lot of things they didn't need him to do in the second half. But yeah. um, uh, but they were able to overcome it because, you know, it, the the – the tail on the tape on Aaron Rodgers and the, and the Packers, you let them get ahead and they'll probably run you into the ground. And so keeping it close and not letting them front run uh, was a huge deal. So I, I got to shout out uh, Tampa Bay's defense. But, I mean, also, I don't know. I mean, you give Brady these weapons. Can you imagine what a 35, 36-year-old Tom Brady would have done mm. with an offense like this? Mm-hmm. Like that that touchdown pass to Scotty Miller at the end of the first half was yeah. – so huge, um, mm. mind you. With a, with a half left to play, uh, you can already imagine that there's seeds of doubt kind of sown in people's head because you you just and oh my gosh, the the, the I don't know what they were calling on that. You have one job to do. You cannot give up the the, the huge chunk play. Why play man? And, uh, like just why? Yo, exactly, exactly. But yeah, I, I think um, that and the offensive line. Just to answer your your, your question, um, as far as what it is. Uh, Green Bay was known for the, their O line. I think it was number two on Pro Football Focus behind the Cleveland Browns. 
But uh, <laughs> right there, you see number five, Tampa Bay. And like you guys said, they gave they gave Brady the room that he needed. Uh, they still made some ill-advised throws. They got some pressure, but I think if that O-line plays strong, they got a chance again. I mean, yeah, we watched that play at the end of the of the first half. We, I, I said, was Greg Williams calling that defense there Seriously. because it just made no, no sense <laughs> what yeah, how close yeah. he was playing up on Scotty Miller. I was like, if they catch something in front of you, there's not they, they don't have time. They can't stop exactly, the clock. Exactly. They're not going to be able to get up the clock. So why are you covering? I, don't, yeah. I just did not understand what what they were doing on that play, and it was huge, it, and it was huge because they had just I, I don't remember if it was a turnover or they just got the ball back, um, and they were up. They had an opportunity, Green Bay to to possibly score and get the ball back to start the first yeah. half, and then yeah. the swing yeah. was huge yeah. where it turns from possibly Green Bay getting points to Tampa Bay adding to the lead and things like that. They add up over time, especially when you're playing against a guy like Tom Brady. You can't give him shots like that in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you think if Tom Brady throws three interceptions, you think you have a great chance to win right. the game. Like, to, this is Tom Brady you're talking, best quarterback ever, and he throws three picks and you still don't win the game. I think it just says a lot. I think you I think you hit it, though, Malcolm. Aaron Jones being out, like, you hold him to 27 yards, that's a recipe to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yes, he had four catches as well, but it was for 17 yards it was very minute um you're right Devin White had like nine solo tackles mm-hmm. 15 total <laughs> like that guy was incredible yeah. so and they got and Tampa Bay got enough from the running game there wasn't big yes. numbers but exactly Fournette, and, a touchdown. and Fournette, Fournette has some pretty impactful runs I mean yes. he looked like LSU Fournette on some of those carries yep. um, and that'll be really big for them in the Super Bowl being able to control clock and if Fournette can look that fresh and they still have Ronald Jones they can go to, yep. um, who's also pretty fresh coming, has has had a lot of carries uh, late in the season because of injuries. Um, but, you know, a couple weeks to get him healthy is is huge for them. You're talking some weapons upon weapons. Mm-hmm. And that Chiefs defense, well, we'll get into it. Anyways. We'll talk about it. We'll mm-hmm. talk about it. I was going to say the same thing. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you'd have told me that Mike Evans would have been held to three catches, that, you know, the run game would not have hit 100 yards and Brady threw three picks. I'm definitely, you know, I'm calling Green Bay for the win. And so that just, I think, further goes to how strong this defense is. And I think they definitely have the defensive advantage going into their next game. And Chris Godwin had, what, three or four drops in that game that he should have caught. And I was just getting ready to say, like, to think about it, two of his picks really were catchable balls. Mm-hmm. One, Mike Evans got his hands on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, the, there was one that was just like, Brady, what the yeah. heck happened there? But two of them were very catchable. So, you know, th- I'm sure they'll clean that stuff up, and uh, it's going to be an exciting Super Bowl, y'all. Yeah. Oh, yes. And while we're talking about the AFC, Kansas City Chiefs took care of business, took care of the Buffalo Bills. Yep. Um, final score, 38-24. to 24. It was a late score by Buffalo. It really wasn't that close um, for the game. I mean, Kansas City really controlled this game basically from the beginning. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Well, actually, no, not from the beginning. Not from the beginning. <laughs> yes. Buffalo, cool stat, Buffalo scored the first nine and the last nine points of the game yeah. and lost by 14. Yeah. So mm-hmm. do the math on that. Um. But yeah, Kansas City looked like Kansas City in this game. I mean, yep. they had Buffalo had no answer for Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. None and whatsoever. There was no reason for Patrick Mahomes to go to anybody else. Nope. <laughs> or to run the ball. If they're or that anything. open. Just throw it to them. Like feed them the rock. Um, but yeah, how, Keith, oh, you've been a you, you've been. I mean, I think we've all been at one point or another fans of the Buffalo Bills yes. during this season, yes. seeing how they played. Josh Allen looking yes. like an MVP at mm-hmm. one point. Mm-hmm. What went so bad for this Buffalo Bills team in this game? Uh, well, I mean, they went up nine to zero, 
and could not keep their foot on the gas. Um, I think I think one play that really stood out to me, I think Kansas City had just scored a touchdown to make it like 9-7. to seven. Um, And the Bills, it was like second down, and they call an incredible play that would have gone for at least a first down or more to keep the ball. And Devin Singletary just drops the ball, like with no one near him. Uh, I think he saw Tyron Matthew over there and was like, oh, shoot, you know, and took his eyes off the ball. That would have been a first down. Like, if you play against the Chiefs, you've got to control the clock. You've got to keep the ball out of their hands. It's what Atlanta did. It's what a few others did. Like, you don't want to get into a shootout with them. And uh, Buffalo just wasn't able to run the ball, and we've been talking about it on the pod. Um, And so I said, uh, like, midway through the fourth quarter, I said to all Buffalo fans, like, you all better draft a running back in the first round. I know many aren't suggesting to get one in the first round, but this is what you need when Devin Singletary is not, you know, what he's been, you know, uh, cracked up to be. TJ Yeldon is washed by now. He tried his best, but, you know, Hey, it is what it is. Zach Moss, I'm still not very impressed. They need a number one back, and I think this offense will be, you know. I think Josh Allen said it himself. He said, hey, we're, we're very close, and I think that running back will take them over because they just couldn't run the ball. They couldn't control the line of scrimmage. And credit the Chiefs' defense. They got in, forced Josh Allen to make some inerrant throws. Uh, because sacks. Because they couldn't, they can't run the football. Mm-hmm. So if you can't run the football, that's that's you know it's kind of that going to be that type of game. So uh, you know, I, I give the credit mostly to the Chiefs' defense because they really stepped up. Yeah, I, this game kind of solidified for me. Josh Allen is definitely my MVP. I understand it's a regular season award. Whoa, um, but I know uh, I okay. Go, go with me. <laughs> We're listening. Our our our, our listeners. Of the three and one podcast, because I know just last week you say, Ian, you told us how wrong you were after the Ravens <laughs> game and everything. I'm going to, you know, round out my perspective here. I had pieces to the puzzle, but now I see the whole puzzle. Mm. So I wasn't wrong. Um, but it just took a while for it to catch up to him, as I think it always will if you don't have um, a, a running game that you can rely on um, at some point. It's going to catch up to you. It did for Baltimore, and and you know this past and Sunday it did for the Bills. Your, your quarterback can't be your best running option. Just cannot. He had 88 yards. Cannot. So it's crazy. And 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 they were and they were really great runs. They were great gashes, you know, and everything like that. Yeah. A lot of them came at the end of the game when it didn't matter anymore. Yeah, but right. um, I think you know uh, that that is always going to be a tell of the tape. I agree with Josh Allen. They're close. They are They're close. close. Very close. Uh, if I if I can talk to their GM, I mean, you've got maybe you know two areas to beef up. To me, of course, the run game. Um, their DBs, I don't even think played that bad. If anything, you know, I think maybe their defensive front might need some uh, some attention. But honestly, there, there's not a whole lot. You got gashed by the Chiefs. If anything, I'm 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 standing pat, and I think experience becomes their best friend. Um, so I just want to be clear. Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. Just want to throw that out there. And according to uh, Keith, Aaron Jones is the MVP. So chill, chill, chill. The real chill, MVP. Chill. The real I'm just MVP. saying. Hey, hey, when he when he wasn't playing, then what happened, Malcolm? <laughs> just, saying. just saying. When Aaron Rodgers plays quarterback and running back for his team and leads them to you know to the second round of the playoffs, then I, I think I, he had a, a wonderful year. Of course, he's the man. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is amazing, but when I think about the workload that Josh Allen had to put on to get his team, he willed them 
mm. to a lot of wins and, and took on much more of a workload than I think anybody else. Are you saying that he Tim Tebowed to the, them to some wins? <laughs> Mr. I, I Mr. Willed them to victory, Tim Tebow? <laughs> I would venture to say, you know, <laughs> shout out to Tim Tebow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the Chiefs look like the Chiefs in this game. They had so, ma- so many ways to beat you. They didn't really have to run the ball, and they ran the ball fine. It was a, a great running game, but they were really focused on getting Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey the ball, and I have no idea what coverages they were they were no running, idea. but it was dead wrong. What? Just dead wrong. Travis Kelsey running free down the middle of the field is not how you run your defense, um, and I, that's what I was really disappointed in the Bills. Their, their yeah. defense has been hyped up pretty pretty well this year, and they've played pretty well played throughout well. the year. Yeah, but th- they just yeah. looked unprepared. I mean, th- there was a third and it had to be third and five, and the DB is playing back. Four or five yards. Four or at five least. yards, and Tyreek yep. Hill ran yep. the five yards, stopped at the first down, and got the first. It was just like, what are we? I understand we're scared of Tyreek Hill going deep, but you only need four yards basically with Tyreek Hill. He'll get the last one. Um, and they had opportunities. The Nicole Hartman fumble early, which yep. he then made up for, more than yes, made up for late. Yes, game. he did. Um, you know, it's just it was. Against the margin of error is so, is so small against the Chiefs because they could score in bunches and consistently against you, um, and it showed. They Buffalo scored the first nine, and then um, and then Kansas City scored the next twenty one. Yep, twenty one unanswered. Um, and so there were no turnovers. They didn't get any pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes did look a little hobbled from the from the toe injury, but he was still moving around fine, getting away. Out of pressure, making those Patrick Mahomes plays that you just you just don't know what to even tell your team about. You just look at him and say, "Bro, I'm sorry, I don't." It's <laughs> got to hold that. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Ooh, a new a new uh, draft mock has the Bills taking Najee Harris at thirty. That'd be big for them. That would be huge. That'd be big for and them. That's the only running back thus far. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the, I think I agree with you guys. The Bills are are really close. Yeah. Um, and yeah. credit to the Chiefs' defense for. They didn't stop Stephon Diggs, but I don't feel like his impact was as big as it could have been it in this game. No. He had six catches, um, but they really kept the big play away from him, um, and he really didn't have – and then Cole Beasley, I mean, we find out he was playing on basically on one leg and led that team in catches and yards in the game. It's, Unbelievable. It's crazy. Unbelievable. Um, so shout out to the Bills. They're, like you said, they're close. I think they need to they need to fine tune some things. I think the defensive front is a big thing for them. They've got to find a, a way to get better consistent pressure. And they thought they were getting that with Ed Oliver. Yeah. I mean, he was a beast in college. Yeah. Oh my but he god, is not, he's just not playing. Not great. been that guy. No. Um, and then the Kansas City Chiefs proved once again why they are the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep, and why the enemy deserves a job, well, guys. We're going to say gosh, Lee. We're gonna talk about that a little bit later too, but. Mm. We have some time before the Super Bowl, so we won't do our official preview until next week. Yes. But what are the storylines you guys are looking forward to over the next couple of weeks? Um, I can start off here. I think it's health um, mm-hmm. for both of these teams. Yep. Got two weeks. Yeah. Now, the big thing, Eric Fisher, offensive lineman, we know is already out. He yep. won't play uh, Achilles injury. That's huge. Uh, that's huge. Um, Antonio Brown did not play in the in the NFC Championship game. We'll see if he's healthy enough to play. You assume he should be if he's as long as it's not anything serious. Um, but that will be big. And then Ronald Jones, who's was in, injured to end the season, has been kind of rolling his way back in. Yeah. Two weeks off for him, I think, is going to be huge as well. And for that running game, that they're definitely going to need to beat the Chiefs. Um, Antoine but, Winfield, yeah, Antoine Winfield <sighs> is another one. Um, oh my god. Um, and I was going to say they missed him, but they. 
really did. They did not. <laughs> <laughs> they were all right. <laughs> but you're going to need him against against a team like the Chiefs. But yep. what other storylines are you guys looking forward to um, these two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl? I was trying to think of what would be the thing that would be the most devastating um, in terms of the Super Bowl. And that, listen, tell these guys to stay yes. indoors. Oh my God. Lock yes. them in. <laughs> the don't go God. anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Watch film for two weeks straight because if we heard that guys started missing the Super Bowl <laughs> because of COVID, yep. it would be it, it would it would really be a blackout in the whole season. Yep. You know, we we got to this point and things have gone eh, somewhat well. Um, and to get here and, and to have that be an issue. So I, I really hope that, you know, they're cracking down. I really do think Brady's got the guys bought into the Patriot way. Yep. And Kansas City just seems to have their organization, organization buttoned up. So uh, I'm I'm not expecting it, but, man, I'm going to be on the lookout for it because that would hurt. Look, we need to be worried about the Bucks players because they're they're gonna be at the crib. They're gonna yeah. go be going to the Super Bowl from the crib. So yeah. that's the ones God. we need to worry about. People having Super Bowl parties up Antonio in their house. Brown. Look, yeah, Antonio Brown needs to live with Bruce Arians or Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah. Like, right, bro, now. <laughs> right now, right now, bro. Just we'll bring the trainer into the house. You mm-hmm. need to just chill, chill, man. You know, chill. <laughs> Will out. he still stay with Brady? I don't. He's not oh, now, but but he so. needs oh, to be. Okay. He needs to be For staying this, with somebody. These two weeks, he does. <laughs> Yeah. Listen, we don't need anybody trying to go to Clearwater. No, nope. stop nope. it, stop nope. it. Oh. OBJ, call, hang up the phone. Don't yep. do it. Don't even. No. <laughs> right. I got a boat, bro. <laughs> Swaggy P calling. Like, nope, no thanks, brother. Um, no, I agree with you, Ian. I think you know, COVID is definitely you know, um, it's been interesting, and we saw like how it impacted the national championship game with quite a few guys out. You know, for the Buckeyes at least, and you know that was a few, of course quite a few weeks in in. Uh, congruently, but, um, but yeah, I think that's, that's critical. And I also think, um, looking like paying attention to the other guys, mm-hmm. right? So you've, we've got all these stars, right? But like, you know, guys like Scotty Miller who mm-hmm. just make that one type of play, yeah. Are are the Chiefs going to you know put in Clyde Edwards Hilaire you know and depend on him a little bit more mm. you know because they really didn't need him this past week mm-hmm. and, but you know he did score a touchdown but you know against a Buccaneers defense you know that I'm going to be curious about you know it shows it's just those other guys that I'm going to be you know kind of paying attention to uh, even when the game you know happens you know how are those guys who you know you don't hear their names a whole lot but how are they going to impact the game. Because, uh, of course, you know, you know, everyone's going to be talking about, you know, Mahomes and Brady. Like, I don't even want to turn on ESPN for the next, like, week. Because mm-hmm. that's all they're going to be talking about. Um, mm-hmm. Those two. Um, but, you know, the running backs and the the, the other guys are, yeah. you know, what I'm paying attention to. Yeah. Speaking, I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, two weeks off. He's coming off an a yep. injury yep. Uh, that yep. kept him out. So that's more time for him to get healthy. And then I think we'll see more of him in the offense. I think they've definitely been slow rolling him back into the – Very slow. Um, yep. Early in the season, he was the workhorse for that team. Yeah. But I mean, they, and he showed why they used yeah. the first-round pick to get him. Is, is Bell is Bell out for the rest of the playoffs? We don't know. He was just – That's what I was just wondering. Yeah. Oh, okay. But so, I mean, and it's, honestly, it's, even if he's not, they didn't use, they haven't used him that much no, at all. So no. yeah, yeah. But if you they don't have a, needed to, yeah. If you don't have a healthy Clyde Edward, Edwards Alaire, that's that's another. I mean, I'd rather have Le'Veon Bell yeah. than Darrell Williams. Yeah, but Darrell played better. Honestly, he played well. Like, he, he did. Well, he so. did. Yeah. Listen, I was just about to say. I mean, we had we got Darrell now. I think last year was what Damian. Damian's still Williams. there. He got hurt, or he opted out. He opted out. Yeah. Got you. Got you. And it's just it's amazing what they can do with just sufficient backs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's 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 insane. Like you guys said earlier, I mean, Kansas City is they lure you in because they got so much going on, and then and then like you said, they just, they just hit you with a, with a, with a five yard 
you know, just, just, just a little curl route That's just it. because it's, it's tough, man. Yeah, man. This, I'm excited about this. We'll talk a little bit more in depth about this matchup. And you look, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, when they play against each other, they're classic games. Very, very, uh, so very I'm, much this so. Is, this, I'm, I'm hoping that we get a classic Super Bowl out of this matchup, too. Yeah. So let's talk in about Tampa. in Woo. Tampa. Home oh, cooking. Oh, my goodness. Talk First about, time ever. Man. Gotta love it. Mm-hmm. Gotta love it. So let's talk about uh, head coach um, openings. We got one left. Um, but looking at the t- at the teams that have filled their vacancies, guys, what is the best, in your opinion, the best coaching hire so far? A Sela. I mean, that's I don't mm. I don't think that's a question, bro. <laughs> mm. Um, the Jets get their guy. I mean, this is a, a proven leader, um, a defensive guy. And, um, yeah, I think they hit a home run, honestly. Um, <clears throat> so if they draft well, I think this is going to be a, you know, because the Jets, again, like to remind all these listeners, the Jets defensively were not terrible. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't bad. They just could not score sufficiently or efficiently. So um, if he could get himself a weapon, you know, there's a couple quarterback names out there that, you know, they could potentially try to, you know, Matthew Stafford may be out there depending on what Atlanta does. Matt Ryan could be out there. There could be some guys that, we, you know, he may be able to bring in an experienced guy, get Sam Darnold some help. Um, you know, some projections have them taking Devontae Smith that could really help their receiving core. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely going with Selah. I, I mm. really like that pick. I'm gonna have to say Jacksonville. Mm. Um to to land Urban Meyer. Mm. And no, this is not college, but please believe there's also recruiting in the NFL <laughs> uh to make that organization um um something that looks appealing when they're really in a position where I think adding some key free agents uh, could put them over the top, and you know they uh, anticipating Trevor Lawrence uh, coming. Uh, what they'll be able to do in the draft, uh, seeing you know, I'm I'm really curious to see how what approach they take on. Uh, we know how Urban runs his college programs. We understand how they operate, and and um, and and he's the man. He has the say, and so I'll be looking to see how that goes. But I got to give it to Jacksonville for being able to land the big fish. Uh, everything else to be seen, but I think they got to have an A plus for for being able to land Meyer and uh, lure him out of retirement, as Malcolm said. Uh, no longer <laughs> being with his family, <laughs> though it pains him. <laughs> but yeah, oh, uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at free agency really, really, really closely to see if that he makes an immediate splash. I mean, what a great situation! They get a guy who's had a tremendous amount of uh, success at in the state of Florida. Yep. Uh, well respected in coaching circles, um, and I think he I think he can adapt to the pro game. He's he's got some good uh, um, assistants and some good coordinators that have both pro and college experience, so he's yep. familiar with them. Yep. Um, and he's going to get an opportunity to work with a generational talent at quarterback in uh, Trevor Lawrence, and they've got a lot of money and a lot of draft picks, a whole lot of money, boy. Um, so I mean, we talked we've talked about this several times on the pod. Urban likes to have a quarterback when he comes into a new job, and he's got him, and he wants to be ready to ready to win and. They've got an opportunity if, if everything if they make good decisions if they basically replicate what they did <laughs> before when they had Blake Bortles and Leonard Fournette and Jalen Ramsey and uh, Yannick Ngakwe and all those guys um, if they basically replicate that then yeah they could be right back in that position. <laughs> um, 
And you in know, a division where the Texans are not going to be very good. Yeah, Deshaun wants uh, out. Deshaun, Deshaun wants out. The Colts, they have a quarterback uh, controversy right now because mm-hmm. Philip Rivers is gone. Amber sets a free agent. Amber sets a free agent, and he's not he's not a he's not your starter quarterback anyway. Support black quarterbacks though. I mean, we do, but you know, this one is. Anyways, <laughs> um, so they have a shot to really take over this division, yeah. bro. Like yeah. it's going to be great. Yeah, all of the Titans are. They look like they're pretty firmly where they are. Yeah, but, you know, hey, the Titans don't always show up, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but so there, there's those are the, the, the names that we liked. And there's a lot of other names on here, people that I've never even heard of before never heard of. right now. But the, the big thing that I want to talk about is why are there's no black coaches? Let's just go out there and say it. There's no black coaches that have been hired in nope. head coaching positions. Nope. Um, you know, we heard some interviews. Leslie Frazier is still up for the Texas job. The enemy allegedly is still up for the Texas job. Right. Uh, Marvin Lewis, Keith's favorite coach, uh, <laughs> coach for a lifetime, uh, oh, interviewed God. for some jobs. Um, we, I feel like we talk about this every year, but this year, I think the big elephant is that you have the OC for the best team in the NFL, potentially two time Super Bowl winning team. Um, and he's not getting hired. Yep. Guys, let's just opening up the floor, guys. Let's. What do? How do we even address this? You know what? I I think Emmanuel Acho said this best, honestly, mm-hmm. in his interview. Uh, if you guys haven't watched it, listen to this man talk. He's very educated. He played in the NFL. He knows what he's talking about. He said, "Here's what happens in 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 the NFL. You hire your friends and you hire your family, and and all the owners are white." Um. You have a few black, you know, GMs or guys who had a little bit of, you know, leadership in some of these organizations. But for the majority, it's white ownership who's going to hire white people who they know Mm -hmm. and friends that they know. And that's what we see. You know, um, Arthur Smith, who would have chosen him? I mean, Tennessee's offense is good, but without Derrick Henry, what are they really? Mm -hmm. And um, so he gets a shot over Eric Bieniemy, who has proven to... First of all, build up a Patrick Mahomes to be what he is. Put the right type of weapons about. I mean, the plays that they run are mm-hmm. like incredible. Yeah. But again, they know Arthur already. Mm-hmm. They're friends with him. So, you know, it's just unfortunate. His dad founded FedEx. It's so unfortunate because, I mean, you got yeah, guys like <laughs> Todd Bowles, who, yes, don't get me wrong. He was not very good with the Jets, but he's a Great defensive coordinator right now. Mm-hmm. You've got B enemy. Um, I'm not huge on Frazier, but you know, still I'd prefer a black man to get a job. But that's just <laughs> it is what it is, y'all. It's still, you know Marvin some, Lewis. We still see some white privilege out there and we still see some, you know. Um gosh, I, just, I hate it, y'all. I really hate it. But when he's when Emmanuel said that, it made so much sense mm-hmm. for me. So much sense. Yeah. Agree. Uh well, like Michael said, at some point you get exhausted. I'm as exhausted about this as I am about some of the other matters, you know, going to police brutality. People still not, don't understand what Black Lives Matter means. Uh, we're still crying about kneeling on fields. Um, I Last three coaching cycles um, before this year, 20 coaches hired, one of them black. Was that Andrew Like Michael said. You said what? Was that oh, Anthony Lynn? Well, uh, two. Brian Flores. Flores, okay. And then Anthony Lynn. There we go. Um, and even, it's, it's not just head coaching. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this is like as of last Monday when Marcus Brady, uh, the Colts, bumped him up to OC. 
he's one of like four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony Lynn, what? He's Lions OC now, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think they brought him on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leftwich, the enemy. And so it's interesting. Now, I think there's there's 12 at that point defensive coordinators. Mm-hmm. And so what's the message is that we trust you to, you know, uh, to get the guys riled up to go hit people mm-hmm. and everything like that. But in the mm-hmm. positions that we know, Mm. Uh, OC in particular is the pipeline, the head coach. They don't even put you in that position. Uh, and if so, there's all this deliberation going on. Like you guys said, that, that both in the Super Bowl, they both had, had years of, of, of prolific. Uh, uh, the data's there. And so what else is it that they're looking for? And so, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's beyond me. It's, you know, I, I, I'm this short of just saying, listen, this is just the way it is and the way it's going to be. We can get the initiatives in place and everything. Uh, teams are learning the verbiage, and so they'll slap a slogan on in a heartbeat and say, like, yeah, we support you and in initiatives in the community and everything like that. But when it comes down to the power, um, I was looking at this stat. Uh, what do they say? Between 2009 and 2019, 40% uh, of the head coaches that were hired were OCs. Mm. 91% of those coaches were white men. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. so yep. I, I don't I don't know where we think it's going to go. I, I really love to be more hopeful, but um, I, you, you can't you can only enforce so much. Yeah. And, and unless people see the difference and, and see the light and start to understand why it's important, then then we're going to get more. Of the same thing. Yeah. I mean, you look you look at the hires that happened. You know, you have the bigger names, Urban Meyer, obviously a name that we know. Um, Robert Sala has been talked about for years Mm -hmm. but then you go down to Arthur Smith who I hadn't even heard of prior to this year nope um, no one talked about the Titans offense as some juggernaut. No. And that there's another, there's a deeper, darker criminal link with that, but I'm not going to dig into that. Uh, the Chargers, bringing in Brandon Staley. Staley has been a good defensive coordinator for the Rams. They've had a good, they had a really good defense this they year. They did have a good defense this year. Um, and they've developed some guys. So I don't completely hate that, but Dan Campbell, assistant head coach and tight end coach for the Saints. We'll talk, I want to talk about a little bit about some stuff that he said this week. That dude is nuts. Oh my God. But it, you know. Kind of that Joe Judge, like, what does he coach? Right. And he's a head coach now? Yep. Because I don't – do you call special teams plays? Right. Oh, like, <laughs> I mean, like, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Nick, the, the one that really got me was Nick Siriano. No one had been talking about this guy. Um, I don't even think he called plays in, 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 in Indianapolis. He wasn't the OC. Um, he was the OC, but I don't think he was calling plays because Frank Wright calls plays. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Frank Wright was his OC. So, so, it's, like, <laughs> so it's like I don't understand – Here's the thing: the the bar is so much higher for black coaches. Yep. I mean you've you've got to you've got to be a coordinator for twenty years. Um, you've got to have an infallible record to even get a job. Yep. I mean Eric Bieniemy, if he was white, he'd ha- he'd have been the head coach of the pa- Patriots by now. I mean, my goodness, bro. Um, I think we have to get rid of this idea that the NFL is a meritocracy. It's not. It's all about relationships and who Absolutely. you know. Um, yep. I was watching Hard Knocks and. There's a guy, um, linebacker from Baylor, who was drafted by, um, I believe it was the Rams. Um, and he didn't play great in camp. You know, he was kind of struggling to get used to the speed of the game. And they cut him. And they said, hey, but we want to bring you back on the practice squad. But he ended up going to the Carolina Panthers, where his former coach, Matt Rule, is now the head coach and made the team there. Which is, once again, evidence that a guy who didn't play well 
You didn't have any preseason tape on this guy. The guy didn't draft him in the draft to start off with, but he knew the guy and he picked him up. Um, and so it's all about relationships. And I think what you said about Manny Macho, the, the big thing is that coaches and our GMs and presidents want to hire people that they see themselves in. Yep. And these white GMs and these white owners do not see themselves at all in black black coaches. And I think that's the thing. And that's why I was rooting for a guy like Lewis Riddick or, you know, any other black GMs, because when you have black people in those type of positions, then that could potentially trickle down. Now, of course, at the end of the day, we would love to have more black ownership, but you know, um, that's probably not going to happen for a long time. So level of money, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's the, that's the challenge. And that's why for African-Americans, and I think this spreads across the world, honestly, since we don't, since there is such a wage gap, I mean, yes, there's black millionaires, there's a few black billionaires, but at the end of the day, a lot of the money are in hands of white people. And so that's why they're not as phased when things happen to us because it ain't, a, you know, it's not hitting their pocketbooks. But when we can start taking ownership and when we can start owning things, that's when we can really make a difference. And that's why, you know, I'm supporting everybody black. Everyone's got a black business. Everyone's got some black ownership or whatever it is. I'm rooting for you because you're right, Malcolm. The standard is so much higher for us. Um, and especially in the NFL, it's it's a tragedy to see that the enemy is not. I mean, the fact that Zach Taylor is still a head coach, the fact that Adam Gase was a head coach and he was terrible. Um it just and he's been terrible everywhere yeah. everywhere yeah, he has bro. been good anywhere and he keeps getting jobs everywhere josh mcdaniels keeps getting i get, keeps getting brought up for jobs even though he's been bad as a head coach and he accepted a head coaching job and then took it back already he's still getting interviews and people oh josh mcdaniels is a genius like, like what are we talking it. about stop it yeah. come on and i think the the other thing to think about is what is the atmosphere in these in these jobs that these black coaches do get mm-hmm. when are they treated like the affirmative action hire mm-hmm. you know anthony land again I, I we talked about it. it wasn't a great year but i mean when you take a quarterback and you mold him into something that i mean that you know he, he's a weapon out there and looks super promising for years to come i've seen it happen here in cleveland i know what happens when you upend um, um, the leadership year in and year out. And so you know it's not in the best interest of the player. So what is the rationale exactly? I understand it can't just be about Justin Herbert, but uh, um, I don't know how much how much uh, oversight or how much say-so these guys are really getting when they get into these roles. And so, like we said, Houston, I think they've interviewed the enemy, Caldwell, and uh, Mark mm-hmm. Lewis. So we'll yeah. see exactly where they land on that. But I don't want don't don't just bring a guy on just to say you you did the black thing, like give these guys a chance mm-hmm. to actually imprint on the team. I think uh, something Dominique Foxworth said last week. He said, you know, uh, the good teams are you know obviously having their staffs raided and they're consu- concerned about losing um, coordinators. And he said something. He said. Here's a here's an idea to keep your staff. Just hire all black coordinators because nobody is hiring them. Um, <laughs> and so you straight up. That's what makes it the the Eric Bieniemy situation even more infuriating. Infuriating is because we saw a run on these either Super Bowl winning teams or really successful teams on their assistant coaches. We've seen basically almost every assistant coach from the Los Angeles Rams over the last three years get hired into better jobs or into head coaching jobs. Um, we've seen it with the Patriots. Obviously, the Patriots are just chock full of guys that have gone on to coach and have not been good any of them but they've all gone on to coach somewhere and even from the Kansas City Chiefs Doug Peterson got a job um um 
after being with Andy Reid. But for whatever reason, you know, they've, they've tried to say, oh, he has a sketchy past. Oh, he has uh, he doesn't interview well. But I, I, I really find that hard to believe when we have coaches like Steve Sarkeesian getting jobs yep. who has a questionable history, <laughs> history but nobody right, goes, right. well, he's got a sketchy history. I don't know. You know, Greg Schiano gets jobs. Well, he's got a sketchy history, but he keeps getting hired for places. Um, you know, when you're a black coach, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. And so nope. if, if you're not the best of the best with the cleanest of records, with the brightest of personalities, with the perfect amount of whatever white people like, you do not get the job. And that's frustrating, but it's also not surprising. Yeah. Well, and, and, wow. God, and, and to be fair, here's the only thing I'm going to say. We don't know what the enemy is saying in these interviews. We don't necessarily know, you know, what the heck is going on. But at the end of the day, from what we see him do on the field, he should, exactly. have, he should have an opportunity. Um, exactly. So that's all. That's all I'm going to say. If anyone tells any, me that Lane Kiffin, if Lane Kiffin interviews better than Eric Bieniemy, I will eat my hat because Lane Kiffin <laughs> is a jerk all the time. <laughs> And dumb comes out of his mouth before the words do. <laughs> like, you, you can anticipate it coming. I just think, uh, yeah, any other job in America, uh, you are you're, you're evaluated on your production, um, allegedly. And so I think um, <laughs> you, you would like to see that happen. Guys, I really feel like I know the solution. And while I don't want to see another Medea movie, Oh my God. Let's just keep on supporting Tyler Perry because you know oh my if he builds the capital to buy an NFL team, everybody gonna be black. Oh my gosh. That would and be I awesome, mean everybody. Uh, he he would be coaching though. And no, he wouldn't. Oh my God. No, he and the not. GM and because he doesn't hire people, so he would just be the GM, the O C the D C. He'd hire his own water guys, um, and people to run like the facilities, but he would still yeah, he'd do everything. Oh, um, stop. So, I mean, there's a black billionaire who gave Morehouse College like a ton of money. Like he paid for everyone to be debt free. But he's not. He doesn't. He, See, got, he, don't, the, he don't want to. Here's team. the thing about the level of money you have to have to be an owner. You have to be able to support the team and it not make you any money. Yeah. And they mm. dig deep into your financials. They want to know all yeah. that. They don't want you buying a team and then we, year one, I ain't got it, bro. I ain't look. I ain't got, like, mm. no, you got to be, you, this is a, a football team is a crown jewel on, on a already well built portfolio. For sure. So For that's sure. why yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's the elite of the elite of the richest people. It's not just, Oh, this rapper owns a owns a football team. No, 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 no. This guy founded a company that owns seven other con- companies that runs international businesses for thirty years. Like it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a it's, different level of wealth. It's definitely perpetual hundreds of millions. Yeah, coming in. Um, uh, Oprah. <clears throat> Oprah doesn't want no football team. Nope. Oprah is not, not a chance. Listen, you got you got these uh. D Haslam just be strolling out saying anything. We might as well. Oh yeah, shout out to Andrew Barry and all of this conversation. Doing a solid job. Hey, I tell you who could own one though, LeBron. If he wanted to, give him some. I don't know if it'd be. I don't know if he'd want a football team. It'd probably be a basketball team. I don't know. He loves football too. You know. <clears throat> so we'll see. But that could be a name. Yeah, he's a name. So football teams. Football teams. How much do they sell for? Like how much are they? A lot. I mean, because it's more than, I mean, it's, they're more valuable than NBA teams. Yeah, that that like, would be my it's thing. It's like a billion, bro. For yeah, sure. I don't know if, if LeBron well, has those problems. I we'll think, uh, yeah, I mean, there's NBA teams selling for uh, two, three point five billion. Yeah. So if it's more than that, then yeah, it get a little steep. Yep. Um, but LeBron's got it. 
<laughs> a Billy is still a Billy. Is still a, bi- yeah. say, a Billy is still a Billy. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about some NBA action as we'll be talking about more over the next few weeks. Um, the Bucks right now are, are are near the top of the East uh, with Philadelphia. Um, but my question has to do with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh, you yes. see the numbers he puts up. You see the highlights. At the end of the year, he'll end up having good good stats. But how good is he really? And how good can this Bucks team be? My take: he beat he does really well against bad teams. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty, mm. when it gets down to those tight games where teams have athletes that can build walls and do things creative defensively, they really struggle. And his lack of shooting shows up huge. Yep. Defensively, he's a monster. His ability around the basket, unquestioned. Yep. Um, but in the in the playoffs and late game scenarios, you got to have a jumper. You got to have a jump. You got to be able to when the offense breaks down, knock down a shot, like, bro. <laughs> and we see we see it with LeBron. Like, yep. Oh my gosh, he's 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 backing down somebody. There's two seconds left. He goes over his left shoulder. Money. If Giannis tried to do that, he would probably hit the side of the backboard on the other side of the court. His shot is so bad. Um, so guys. If we're, I don't know if we want to rank or what, what level does, let me ask this. Does, does Giannis have another level to go to? I don't mm. see it. I don't mm. see another level, honestly. Mm. Like he would have, to, he would have to work with a very good shooting coach to be able to get him, a, to get him a stroke. Like he's got to have that. I think that's the only thing. Cause defensively he's just going to play that. Well, he's long, mm. he's athletic. Great. Um, he's always going to be able to drive to the basket, but like just like LeBron, soon at some point, that's going to catch up to you because you're going to have guys who are just as big potentially mm-hmm. and it pretty much as quick. Um, so LeBron has had to alter his game to be able to work as he's you know approaching forty. So for Giannis though, because he doesn't have a jump shot and because he's so one dimensional dimensional off um, offensively, there's not much more he can do. Yeah, that's just the way I see it though. Oh, this is so okay. All right. Um, shout out to Giannis. We're we're it's so good to see the back to back MVP. Um, and I'm glad that he's that he's thriving doing his thing. I'm glad he got his money. It's wonderful. Is there another level? There could be. There could be. I don't know if there will be though. Um, you look at it this year. Down in points, down in rebounds, down in uh, assists, up in turnovers, down in three-point percentage, uh, about the same, you know, two-point percentage, but down down in overall field goal percentage. I don't see – and now, mind you, this is the regular season. My hope that I've been holding out is that Giannis has adopted a method or a model where he is preserving himself and not going as hard. Like you talked about, Malcolm, you know, you, you see these games from Giannis, 40 points, 20 rebounds and everything. And then you get to the playoffs and it doesn't matter. Uh, we've seen him tire out. Um, and if he does not grow smarter in the game, then nothing is going to work. If he can't pick spots, if he can't find the soft spot in the defense, and like you guys said, actually be able to knock down the shot. If he cannot you know, uh, be able to anticipate a double team enough uh, so that they are practicing. Uh, um, and I think this, this I hate to bring LeBron into the conversation, but it becomes the difference is that you could tell his guys know where to go and you could tell that LeBron knows where they should be, mm. that, that he, he knows well enough to orchestrate an offense. And I think that's the piece that's missing. I know we talk a lot about the shooting, 
but Giannis cannot orchestrate the offense. Mm. Uh, most of his assists, even driving kick, you know, and and that's valuable. I'm not saying that he hasn't grown in this game, but at this point, you know, I, I, unless he grows smarter and smarter, yes, it includes shooting his field uh, free throw percentage is down as well. By the way, a solid fifty eight percent. But I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm burned out. I don't even watch Bucks game because I'm tired. I've been seeing the same Giannis Antetokounmpo yeah. for the last four years, um, and so unless there's something that develops. As far and you could tell when guys get over the hump and they learn the game mm-hmm. and they're just they're they're making things happen. They are playmakers in their mind first, and everything else follows on the court. So it could. I'm not sure that it will though. Yeah, I just yeah the the shooting needs to. I don't even think he really needs to be a great three point shooter. If no. he could just add a, a, some kind of mid range, yeah. but his game is so yeah. predicated on getting to the rim, which I mean he's one of the best at doing. But um, in a playoff scenario, teams. Teams know that, that that's what you want to do. He's not going to be a dude against Kevin yeah. Durant. Yeah. Not against LeBron James. Yeah. Not against some of those guys who are just as big and just yeah. as strong. Or teams that are able to scheme around, scheme for that. And yeah. that's what Toronto yep. was able to do. That's what Miami yep. was able to do last year. You've got to be able to hit them and get get the ball to, to a spot and make a basket. And the spot can't be dunk it. Right. Yeah. You, you you cannot be heads up and make plays if you're in barrel mode, mm-hmm. always uh, trying to attack. And so there, there's got to be some pace. I think that's the other thing. You always, you know, you see him going at, at in one speed um, because he has to build the momentum. I feel like if Malcolm was at you, was talking the other week about how, yeah, you know, the God. game was on the line and, and you see Giannis uh, drop back to the half court so that he could get a driving start. It's like, yeah, you can't always rev that engine up. There's got to <laughs> right. be some finesse. Yep. And there's got to be some some other strategy. So yeah, I, I I my hope is for him. I don't want it to sound like I'm rooting against him because I'm not. Yeah. It's just at this point we're four we're four or five years into asking this question. Yep. Yeah. I mean the other team that's up in the East, Philadelphia 76ers, They added Doc Rivers. And they made some good moves to that to that um to that roster to kind of build around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and they're looking really really good this year. Um. Guys, real quick, Philly. Is this is this the year they could make a move in the East? No. Possibly get out of the East? Nope. Not with Brooklyn there. Um, if Kevin Durant is anything near healthy, I think he is the game changer. Philly does not have a guy who's going to be able to slow him down. Um, and then, of course, you know, you add a Harden, you add a, you know, well, whatever you get from Kyrie, whatever. But, you know, Kevin Durant is the game changer. And I think, you know, he'll take Brooklyn to that point but if Brooklyn wasn't in the in the east and you just have a potential like Boston or Milwaukee then I would be saying potentially yeah mm. but but not with Brooklyn I'll just say if this is the real Joel Embiid that we've been seeing for the past couple weeks um the Joel Embiid scoring you know 45 points and putting mm-hmm. up 16 boards and if this is the dominant figure then yes I do. I think they have a key element that Brooklyn does not have, uh, which is balance. Um, and, and yeah, KD is a seven foot player, but he's not a seven foot big. He's a seven foot guard. And, um, uh, DeAndre Jordan is looking like George Jefferson out there. And, you know, he's, he's doing the best, he's doing the best that he can, but my man is struggling. I was seeing him lug up and down the court the other day. Um, yeah, I, balance, um, you know, Philly also has, you know, and relative depth. Um, but 
the, the size that they have uh, at the guard position. Because I mean, you could put Ben on KD, and yeah. it's not you know it's not promised that he'll fare fare well. But he's got the size to at least you know compete there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who do you who do you match up against Joel Embiid? Um, so the Bucks, I think they'll have something to say about it as well. I do think that they're an option. But as far as possibilities, if this is if this is going to be consistently what we get from Joel Embiid, he's always been the X factor. We've just been waiting on him to cash in on the talent. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not ever sold on him until because I watched that dude just be so lazy, like and not. So you're right, Ian. I think this this will be a tell's tale. Like, what do we really see from Joel? But until I see that man like go hard for like playoff series after playoff series and keep putting up these type of numbers, and I think the issue is, is that then they're depending so much on him, and uh, I don't know what else they're going to get from Ben Simmons or other guys, you know, here and there. So that's why I think you know you got multiple scorers in Brooklyn who anyone can give you a bucket for the most part. Whereas with them, they're saying, like, hey, feed Joel, feed Joel. You're putting all your eggs in one basket, and I just don't think that'll work. Well, they're getting good contributions. I mean, they've done a good job of building this roster around these two guys. Um, obviously, you have the, the stars, Joel, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, but they also added Seth Curry, who's a dead-eye shooter. Great shooter. Yep. Danny Green, who's actually shooting pretty well for them, and, and of as, course as we know, is a solid defender. Um, and then the the rookie, Maxi from Kentucky, was a big get for them, a guy who can work off the dribble um, – um, mm-hmm. Off the dribble, get to the basket, make plays. They just didn't have that in in their guard rotation. And and Doc Rivers, I don't know if he has a, a main line to Tobias's mom or whatever, but Tobias Harris is having a good year too, averaging <laughs> nearly twenty points a game. Um, yeah, and that's big for Philly because he's been just kind of the forgotten man in this whole yep. thing. Yep. And so when you have Joel Embiid, who's averaging twenty seven. 12 and almost two blocks a game Fifth in the league and scoring sh- yep. shooting over 40% from three over 80% from the line 55% even on high volume that is that's an efficient and dominant big man and I, I just don't mm-hmm. know where the matchup is for them because DeAndre is obviously their big but if they go to the bench who are they putting on Joel Embiid if, yeah. if DeAndre gets hurt or has foul trouble I mean he was you guys remember what he did in that series against Brooklyn um, a couple of years ago, where he just went off against against Brooklyn, and I don't see a guy on their on their roster who is even as good as those guys. Um, so that's a big concern, especially this team defensively. We we saw the Cavs light up the Nets. Yep, the Cavs lit up the Nets. Yep. No disrespect to the Cavs, um, but there's there's definitely some defensive issues there, and so we. We know Brooklyn can score, but Joel Embiid, if he's locked in like this, um, and I think that Doc Rivers, I think, is a big difference. He's a veteran coach. He knows how to win, um, and I think he's getting something out of this team that Brett Brown was not able to do. And I think mm. also the big thing, I think Ben Ben Simmons, we've, we've, we've learned enough about Ben Simmons to know what he is and what he's not at this point. Um, he's not the guy that you want to be have offensively, offensively carrying your team, but you want him orchestrating offense. Um, and so you add shooters like Danny Green, Seth Curry, uh, Tobias Harris taking a bigger role in the offense. Then Ben can just kind of do what he does, and not you don't have to worry about is he shooting, is he scoring, and then in the right matchups he could take take advantage of that. But I really like this Philly team. I want to see if they make. I think they. I think they're one. They could make another move during this season and possibly yeah. fortify this roster even more for a playoff run. If they get one more depth piece um, for their bench and maybe even one more shooter, a big that could that could spread the floor a little bit. I'll really like this team, and I kind of like them now against Brooklyn 
um, if they don't figure out this whole defensive situation in Brooklyn, because it's that's going to be a problem. I think could bite them in the butt. Yeah, they got to get another. They got a lot to work on for sure. You know, and it's I kind of it's kind of like Tampa Bay, y'all. Like they had all these star weapons. They didn't. They they weren't playing well early. Mm -hmm. They didn't have the regular off season to Mm -hmm. get together. I think Brooklyn, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll figure it out. They'll, but we got, saw flashes from, from Tampa Bay throughout the year. We saw flashes, flashes where we're right. like, oh, okay, this right. is what this team can. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen – we there's haven't been really, a few flashes. There's been some offensive flashes. Yes, offensive flashes, correct. But correct, defensively, correct. I ain't seen nothing that make me think, oh, yes, when it gets down to it in the playoffs, they're, they're going to be able stops. to get a stop. Yeah. And yeah, if sure. they talk yeah. about it, they're like, yeah, we're not – we can't get stops right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I think, you know, just anything – anytime there's a big three, you, you always want to take a look at it. Again, it won't take much um, for – well, and speaking about Brooklyn uh, and them building it around. But I agree, right now they would get abused if you look at it because you, you start hitting them with Dwight Howard, even at his age. Mm-hmm. The fact that he, he still play he still can play big enough, I don't know. This year he's looking a little iffy. <laughs> but Shake Milton, we saw what he could do a little bit last year. They were really high on Tybal and what it is that he can do. And, you know, you guys already talked about some of the other, the Mike Scotts. The, those, the way those guys play and the fact that they play hard, that matters. Um, and so, you know, once you get behind beyond uh, Joe Harris um, uh, for the Nets, you know, who else are you really relying on outside of your big three? And you look at Boston's big three. What did they fill in with? You had James Posey's and Eddie House's mm-hmm. and, um, um, you know, Leon Pose. Mm-hmm. And then Miami, when they made their runs, you had the um, – what's his name? Yeah, uh, you had the Mike Millers and mm-hmm. the, even Shane Battier's and you know, those Jones. guys. So it's – James Jones, yeah. So it's really just just taking the time to fit in Norris Coles, you know, all them uh, fit in some of these other pieces. Find guys who are, I think, particularly veteran guys. I don't see a lot on that Brooklyn roster of guys that have been there. And you know, uh, uh, Philly, not very much. But you got Danny Green and Dwight Howard coming off the chip, mm-hmm. and so that matters. Mm. Look, uh, shout out to the Leon Poe reference. Wow. Wow. Yeah, man. Right. You, dig, you dug deep for that one. I don't even know if he was really on that team, but you threw it out there. <laughs> he was. He was the big. Uh, well, yeah, he was no. backing up Kendrick. I, I think he yeah, met Glenn yeah. Big Baby Davis or Rajon Rondo. Was, was later? I think Poe was, <laughs> was late. I think Poe was late. <laughs> no, Poe was there. I think. Well, I, I think he was one of the guys there. I think he played more the next year. But anyway, yeah, you're right. Good old Shout out Leon to Big Poe. Baby and so on and so forth. I don't know why. Leon, Leon Poe is just on my mind. That's my final word. Oh, man. <laughs> there it is. There I'm it joking. Is. Um, so let's, we'll end the show there. We've got, we'll talk more NBA. We've got so much, so much beautiful time to talk about NBA. Um, real quick, um, Dan Campbell, would you fight him in a steel cage match? <laughs> Heck no, man. <laughs> like what? That's like a death sentence, man. I'm betting on me. Well, listen, on Ian, me. Ian, you're a bigger dude than me, so you know, uh, like I, I can't get in the ring with that dude. Have have some back of the back of the knee guards ready for you because he's gonna start biting kneecaps. Right, straight up. <laughs> so mm. that's that's such a wild scenario to visualize. Uh, I was not prepared for that, but yeah. Um, I'm 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 definitely betting on me. Uh, if I lose, you know, um, I'll, I'll put up a good fight. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get some hits in. <laughs> oh, man. all right, guys. So let's let's uh, wrap up the show. Yeah, and you know how we like to end it with our parting words. And give us your parting words for the day. It's all about Joe and Kamala. Listen, we don't get political here, but 
Uh, anytime that there's a new regime, new leadership, uh, newly inaugurated president, vice president that just came in, uh, we have their support. Our prayers are up. Uh, looking forward to what this administration can bring, hopefully wading us through the waters of some really, really, really tough times right now. So uh, thoughts and prayers to the administration, all of our newly elected officials. Let's move forward and let's make this thing happen. Let the America be the beacon that it's supposed to be. You were really close to saying "Make America Great Again," weren't you? Oh God, I was not. I was so far from it. You feel like you were like, "Let's make America." I was like, "Oh, is he gonna do it?" No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Keith, give us your parting words. Uh, Well, guys, for our baseball moment, uh, I want to uh, shout out Hank Aaron. May you rest on. um, My goodness, to see you know you break the home run record. At a time where, you know, you were still being called in words and people did not want you to break the record. Uh, They did not want you to succeed. And you, again, um, gave other people of color um, another another name, another voice to, you know, look up to in the baseball world. You know, you are the one of the reasons we get some of the Barry Bonds and Ken Griffey Juniors and all. Um, Of course, you and Jackie Robinson, some of those pioneers um, of the baseball world. So, uh, you know, may you rest on. You definitely left a great legacy. Um, and hopefully, you know, some other young, uh, black brothers will get to learn about you and, uh, hopefully even, you know, go after a baseball career. Cause there's a lot of money out there, uh, to be made. Uh, so, so yeah, shout outs to you, Hank Aaron, to the Hank Aaron family. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Legend. Absolutely. The legend Hank Aaron. Yeah, man. That's um, strong. Man. Did I, wanna, I take yours? <laughs> no, that, that wasn't going to be mine. Oh, okay. I don't really have a good one right now, so I'm I'm freestyling. I'm freestyling. Uh, um, shout out to. Okay, here we go. I got one now. Oh, here we go. All right. So, um, you know the 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 Cleveland Cavaliers had two big wins against the Brooklyn Nets, um, and I recently saw something today that not today, but this this past week that disturbed me to my core. Oh. Um, and what disturbed me to my core was I saw something. This is what the a headline looked like this. And they said, Sexland looks like it's working. Oh, boy. And I said, oh, oh my what God. is that? Oh, my God. And I opened the article, and it was about the backcourt pairing of Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. I said, wait, what? I thought it was like Sexton in Cleveland, like no, Sexland. Sexland. Gar- oh. Anthony Garland and oh Colin Sexton. Oh, my God. Um... I didn't. First of all, I didn't know they deserved a nickname. For one, right. two, why is that the nickname? What that type does, of pornographic type of? <laughs> that's what I thought. That? I was like, has ESPN lost its mind? Oh like, what God. is going on here? So, I want to shout out to Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. You have gotten to nickname status. It it, <laughs> it may be the worst nickname I've ever heard. Um, so, shout out to Sexland. Oh, wow, where Cleveland is now Sexland, and uh, you know. It's it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to be in Sexland, right, Ian? We take one step forward, <laughs> and we just take nine steps back. I don't know who did that, oh. but they they hate us, and we're not affiliated <laughs> whatsoever. By the way, if you guys want to have a laugh, go to Basketball Reference and look up just a random player and, and look at their nicknames. It's pretty hilarious because some of them are completely made up, and they make no sense. Um for reference, look up Ray John Rondo. I have no idea how he got the nickname that's on there, but have some fun with that, kids. So that's it for this week's episode of the 3 in 1 podcast for 
Ian Morgan, International Ian in Cleveland. God bless you. My name is Johnny, or the yoga instructor. <laughs> and here in the capital city by way of Cincinnati, Keith Turner Jr. Hey, everyone have a blessed week. God bless you all. <laughs> and it's your boy here in Columbus by, se- by the way of several other places. They call him the black Matt Campbell because he will bite your kneecaps when we fight. It's Malcolm Morgan. This has been the 3 in 1 podcast. We'll see you all next time.